Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm here in Buffalo at the 2015 Catholic Media Conference. And I guess this is sort of the, the, the special uh, Salt and Light Hour Media Ministry Minutes edition because here with me is our Media Ministry Minutes expert, Dan Torquia, uh, participating at the conference with me. Danny, why why are you here at this Catholic Media Conference? Well, you know, being a communications professional is actually a, quite a difficult job, and it's very, very dynamic. It is never static. And so we always have to reevaluate our methods, reevaluate how we're communicating to our audience groups, and tweaking the message and listening to our audience. So every year, it's good to get together every so often to do maintenance or to improve our tools and to strategize and think of how we're doing for the new year and to be re-energized as we go into our parishes uh, and resume our ministries in our different uh, jobs, positions, charitable groups, and dioceses. Good, good. Well said. So um, that's what we're going to do for the next hour. Walk with me through this conference as we meet various participants, uh, high-level Vatican officials, organizers, journalists, photographers, uh, uh, and, and, and people who are doing Catholic communications. Um, so come along for the ride. As I mentioned earlier, the Catholic Press Association is the body that, uh, that is organizing this, this conference, the Catholic Media Conference. And like every organization, we need a strong leader. And I happen to be with that man right now. Tim Walter is the executive director and CEO of the Catholic Press Association. Tim, what is the CPA, the Catholic Press Association? The Catholic Press Association is a volunteer organization of Catholic publishers. Okay. So we have about 240 publisher entities, and then we have another 500 individual members that work for and with those publications. Okay, so when you say publishers, you're not talking about like book publishers. We have some general publishers that do book publishing. We have publishers that do diocesan newspapers. Okay. We have publishers that do... Um, quarterly journals. We have publishers that do magazines for fundraising purposes, okay. like Pontifical Mission Societies or One Magazine. So. Okay, I see. Because I, I, I think that when we hear Catholic press, we're thinking of the press, of news media. So would you say that the majority of your members are people who are doing news media or that type of media? I think there's a nice split. Where the association yeah. was started in 1911. Okay. It was called the Catholic Press Association because at that time it was primarily diocesan newspapers, right. which were papers where the bishop is the publisher. And right. its purpose was to disperse Catholic news and to unite the Catholic voice under one umbrella, this Catholic Press Association. Over right. the years, however, our culture and our membership has diversified. So we have many magazine members who maybe do that for fundraising purposes. Uh-huh. We have ethical organizations like the Bioethics Quarterly Publications. Uh-huh. And we used to have many, many newsletters that belong to religious organizations. Today we have freelance writers and publishers. We have bloggers and those kind of folks. So it's still called the Press Association. Okay. But uh, probably only half the people center on news. Right. So then do you work, you mentioned that all these entities, these organizations are members. Yes. So does it function as a 
I was going to say as a club, but so as a resource, it's pretty networking. It's a networking. I would say it functions as a fellowship. Fellowship. Thank you. So the association is a volunteer. The Uh association doesn't accredit any newspaper, like the dental association might or the police association. People join for the purpose of networking with other Catholic communicators. Okay. And so that, that really is our purpose, is to give them a united place. We offer these kind of workshops and training. The association offers members consultation services uh-huh. and those kind of things to help them fulfill their missions as Catholic communicators. So then part of the purpose of the conference is 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 for that very purpose, for fellowship and networking and resourcing. Yes, it has an educational component to it. Uh, I have a background as a teacher. I taught grade yeah. school for many years. And when I came to the association, I thought one of the things we can do is strengthen the educational component of this program. So we'd set it up in kind of skill sets. There's tracks for editors, and there's tracks for advertising people and writers, and some things for production people or business people. So there's a strong editorial component, Uh but at the end of the day, if you ask people what the first or second benefit they came back with, it's the networking. You bet. So yes, it's really about getting together because even though you might be in the press, what happens in the Catholic press is so different than what happens in the secular press. That's right. That's so we right. need to relate and help each other. Absolutely, because we're here. We're, we're here with the same mission. Um, throughout, well, last night and even this morning, and throughout, I guess, throughout the, the three days, there's there's these awards that are being handed out. Can you tell yes. me a little bit about that? Well, certainly, we have uh, many affiliate groups, and they come as uh, partners and sponsors, so that people can understand their mission and some of the good that they do. And they hand out awards to people who do good deeds or write wonderful articles about missions that are taking place and uh-huh. those kind of things. On Friday evening, we have our press awards, and that's a way to honor the work of the people, our publisher members. Okay. So the writers and the artists and the photographers and those kind of things, they get uh, recognition through our awards program on Friday evening. Okay, now tell me about the Gabriel Awards then. That would be tonight, I believe, Thursday The night. Gabriel Awards are part of the... Of the uh, Catholic Academy for Communications yes. <laughs> Professionals, uh-huh. and uh, they are a partner of ours. So okay. the, the, they're not members, and they their organization started primarily for communications directors. Okay. And so we've begun to work with them as, over the years, the role of the communication director and the editor have merged in a lot of dioceses, yes. and so they come. Now, their awards are primarily in uh, film and radio and television production work. Right. Where ours tend to be more press-related awards. Okay. Okay. I see. So when you come to this conference, you can come to the Gabriel Awards and see good work in film and media and radio. And on the other end, you get the the uh, print work and and things from the press associations. So. Right. Now, CPA is a is a North America. I guess English-speaking North American. Oh well, maybe not French-speaking well, we as well. Are, uh, yes, we're actually called the Catholic Press Association of the United States and, and Canada. Canada. Okay, that's correct. So, so, uh, is there a larger international organization that you belong to? No, there is not. Uh, all other press uh, organizations are by their countries. So okay. you could have the German, the Italian, the English, those kind of things. We reach out to those folks, and sometimes they come to our conference. But um, Cygnus is here, yes. and Cygnus is probably, I think, the only Vatican-recognized communication entity that's a worldwide entity. Right. And they've been joining us for three years at this conference, and one of the things we hope to do is partner with them for um, a conference in 2017 in Quebec City. So that's we're right. working on that. 
That's right, which is very exciting for us in Canada. Beautiful city. So maybe in closing, um, I, I know because I know you're busy, uh, you mentioned that we, we want to network, we want to resource, educate. What is your hope specifically for this conference here in Buffalo? Well, we we, we want to bring people together to be together. Yes. We are a community of Catholic communicators. And on the other end, I want them to go back home with things that improve their jobs. Okay. So they do their job better. So it's not unusual for me to hear a member say, I went to that one workshop and what I learned is going to pay for my trip here today. Uh-huh. And that's what we want. We want them to go home better trained, to make new friends, have new resources, and, and to feel a belonging into the Catholic Press Association. Mm-hmm. So. Good, so that we can all go back and continue doing that good work. You're exactly right. Building the kingdom right here on earth. Yes, so. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for being here at the conference. I know. No, it's been great. So Tim Walter is the executive director and uh, CEO of the Catholic Press Association. I'm now here with Patrick McPortland. He is the photographer of the Western New York Catholic, but he's also in a special role here at the uh, convention as uh, if I can say the, the 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 planning and running guy, I don't know, Patrick. What, what exactly is your, your role here at the convention? Uh, I am the local host, uh, and I helped plan and instigate uh, the 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 Catholic Media Conference to come here. And we've been working on it for a year, myself and most of my uh, the staff at the Western New York Catholic. And we're just glad for everybody to be here. So when you say instigator, you mean so as a as a journalist, as a photographer mm-hmm. with the, with a Catholic newspaper here in Buffalo. Yep. You are a member of the association. Yes. And it was your idea to say, hey, why don't we host it here in Buffalo? Yeah, it was. We actually, the I think it was a webpage post that uh, uh, Tim Walter put up, and they were looking for somebody to host in 2015. Uh, I went to my editor and said, why don't we throw our hat in this? Um, Buffalo has actually had a big resurgence with our waterfront and more and more tourism coming here. So I said, why don't we, why don't we throw our hat in? What, if they say no, they say no, whatever. Uh, my editor said, yeah, sure, but if we get it, it's a lot of work. And I knew that he was going to be busy putting the newspaper together. And I said, just if we get it, hand it to me. Well, we got a phone call one day, and he said, you're getting it. And we're like, okay. Okay, sure. And we just started right. working with the CPA, and here it is. Good, so that's how you ended up being the guy doing all the work. Yes, uh, apparently I asked, and I, I received. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. good. Now, um, tell me a little bit about the Western New York Catholic the Western New York Catholic covers the eight counties, westernmost counties of New York State. Um, we have a very large circulation. Circula- 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 yes, I can't. I do, <laughs> I do pictures, not words. He's a photographer, yes. Yeah. Circulation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're monthly, and we have a staff of, uh, I think we have uh, six people, and we tell the story of Western New York and who we are and what's special about us. W- would you say that that is typical of a of a diocese? Well, you're not really a diocesan newspaper in that We sense. are a diocesan newspaper. Yeah, we okay. cover the diocese um, and we try to tell our stories like through the through the view of the diocese that, that, that we are. Okay, so would you say that that is a typical of a diocesan Catholic newspaper, staff of six? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, you know, as you know, a lot of dioceses don't have a lot of money, but if they want some sort of communication outlet, they will usually do it with a small staff um, we are actually kind of an outlier in in our office. We not only have the Western New York Catholic, which is a staff 
of six for the newspaper. We also have the Office of Communications, and that also has Daybreak TV. Okay. And we also huh. have communications. We have a, a larger staff than a lot of dioceses don't have. But for a newspaper, yeah, we are typical. I know there is a New York newspaper. There is a staff of two. And they actually cover a diocese that's larger than ours right. up, in, up in the Ogdensburg Diocese. So it's usually people wear several hats. You'll have an editor who's a writer, photographer, and blogger. <laughs> you just have to do it. Right, or a photographer slash conference organizer. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, so you said that the, uh, that the the diocesan communications office has you guys, the newspaper, mm-hmm. a, a TV program, a TV there's crew. radio. Yep. That's amazing because that's not typical of a no. regular diocesan no, communications it's, it, office. It's not typical, and we, we may be a big office, but each little group is a small group. Yeah. And it's amazing what we pull off. Daybreak does a monthly cooking show called Our Daily Bread. And uh, they they produce that you know every month on top of producing daily masses on top of producing small documentary uh, right. projects, so it's uh it's it's amazing. I mean sometimes I sit back and I go we we did this with this number of people yeah and uh, I mean the the staff I work with is just fantastic. Everybody is just really great at what they do what they do. So how old is the newspaper here? Oh, good question. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, definitely. It started off, I think, as the Union and Echo, I want to say, in, like, 1848. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> older than been, you and me. Oh, a lot older than you and me. And it has gone through several different name changes as, as, as right. over its history. But currently, as the Western Catholic is what it is now. So so you've been doing this... Uh, I'm sure you know how long you've been doing it. Yep, I've been, I've been shooting for 20 years. Amazing. And in the, for, this, for this newspaper? Yep. That guy started right out of college. How important is it for a diocese... To have, I mean, clearly here they have TV program, cooking show, and maybe that's not as important. Although I'm sure there's there's lots of value to that kind of evangelization. But how important is it for a diocese to have a newspaper to have that sort of means of communication with the with the parishioners? It's very important, um, especially in this day and age with media. Uh, you, you get these stories coming out, and you have Catholics who are saying, "Well, how how what what should I, you know, how should I come to this as a Catholic?" And we're that voice. We, we come out there and we say, okay, this is happening in the world, and our faith says we should do this or we should react this way or this is what we should fight for. And mm-hmm. it, it is. It's, it's the, we're the voice of the diocese, the voice of the church, the voice of faith, the voice of evangelization. And in this world of mass media, we're just bombarded with Twitter and Facebook and news programs, and you, you just have to step back and go, what? I need another calmer voice and mm. we're that voice yeah now you're a photographer this is interesting i don't get to interview for this, this is a radio <laughs> show we don't talk to photographers very often yep. how tell me about that about because you're evangelizing yes through your images yes what's what are the challenges what are the what are the gifts what are the opportunities oh the opportunities are immense i, I love doing it um i, I like to try to i, I had a, a christian brother that always told me that you i have to use my talent to to serve god um, Brother Fred Dillman, uh, at where I went to high school here, and, and I do that. I, I use my gift to, to get God's word out. And a lot of times I like to shoot pictures of people. I want to show somebody who's living their faith. Mm-hmm. And I have the challenge for me is how do I show that visually? The writers can get the words and they can get it out there, but I'm like, how do yeah. I have to show it visually? The, the challenge sometimes is uh, trying to get that story. Um, some people will sit down and say, yeah, sure, I'll give you a story. And then when you say, I'm taking your picture, they're like, is my hair right? Is there something in my teeth? I really don't like having my picture taken. You have to make them feel calm and feel yeah. 
it's okay. I'm not going to make you look bad. I just want, I really want to get your face out and put a face with the name and the story. Yeah. Um, we have a segment in this program called Media Ministry Minutes, and, and it's kind of advice, media advice that we give to small church organizations and we did a whole segment on on images photography oh great could you give any advice to you know the little congregation of the sisters of notre dame that have a new facebook page and they want to do photos what is your advice for them uh, my advice don't take large group pictures <laughs> um make sure um that when make sure whenever you send a photo anywhere make sure you send a caption uh-huh. Uh huh. Because we'll we will get photos and it will say the Sisters of Mercy and there's 20 people there. It's like, okay, who are these Sisters of Mercy and why are they important? And I always just say, uh, have fun. D- 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 you know, sure you have to take that picture at that event of the, the the sister who's celebrating her jubilee. Go do that. But one day when you're out walking the garden, take pictures. If you're walking around uh, downtown, take pictures. Come back, look at your pictures, and say, oh, that picture's terrible. Then think about. Well, how was I shooting it? What was going on? Go online, YouTube, uh, you know, Google, uh, any group. There's uh, the internet's great. You can go out and learn yeah. anything you want. And also, if if you're happen to be next to that newspaper photographer at an event, at a down moment, talk to them. That's yeah. really how I learned a really? lot of what I do. Yes, I you know I knew how to take pictures, but I really wasn't. I never studied to be a journalist. Uh, so. You know, it'd be after mass, and the, the the photographers from the Buffalo News would be doing something. I'd introduce myself, and why do you do this? Why do you do that? What kind of equipment do you use? Why do you use this over this? I'm hearing things about this new trend. What do you think about it? And photographers yeah. love to talk shop. We just do. <laughs> so you will get tons of information out, and and I kind of feel funny now because I actually have young people coming up to me now. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And I'm like, oh wait a minute, I'm. I'm I'm that guy now. Yeah. I'm not. I'm giving the advice, not asking for the advice. Yeah. But that is talk to them. That's good. Yeah. So if people want to look at your photos first, or read, I guess all the amazing articles of the oh, newspaper. Look at the photos can first. they go <laughs> look at the photos? Yeah. Um, do, where do they go online? WNYCatholic.org is our is our webpage. So WNYCatholic.org is the Western New York Catholic. Patrick McPartland has. I'm going to have to go check it out. I assume that they're great photos. Yes. I hope you're taking good photos of the convention. I, I, I'm getting as many photos as I can. I, I've had a lot, my wife has been asking me, are you getting a lot of photos? I'm like, I'm getting what I can. She's like, and she's a former editor. She's like, that doesn't sound uh, good. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm running this thing, so i got to make sure I'm putting fires out where they're at. But when I get a free moment, that camera's out, and I'm taking pictures of people. And, and I can't wait to get pictures of Sister Rosemary at lunch today. Yes. Sister Rosemary Narumbi. I, I met her last night, and she is a blast. She's going to be a wonderful person to talk to and to photograph. Yes, we're hoping to talk to her as well. Patrick, pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. Patrick McPartland, he is a photographer with the Western New York Catholic, WNYDCatholic.org. Yep. Um, and he's also the, the guy. He's the planner, instigator, and organizer here at the Catholic Media Convention in Thank Buffalo. Thank you very much. Sometimes when we think about Catholic media, we're thinking about publications, about journalism, television. We don't often think about public relations, media relations, marketing. And, and I know if you've listened to this program, The Salt and Light Hour, 
once a month our media ministry minutes, it's public relations advice. It's marketing advice for church organizations. So I am now here with a pioneer, Sherry Brownrig. She's of the Kennedy Brownrig Group. It's a marketing and communications public relations group. Sherry, this is what you do. Why does the church need to worry about public relations? Well, first of all, I love being called a pioneer, although it makes me feel old, Pedro. Thank you. I'll return the favor someday. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. We absolutely need, as a church, as church organizations, to be able to do marketing and PR in a very professional way. And why is that? Because we are, we are going to the average person out there. You know, really everything we do now is under the new evangelization that mm-hmm. uh, Pope St. John Paul II put yes. forth. And that is for that kind of lukewarm Catholic. Well, the lukewarm Catholic consumes media, is a consumer, is somebody who has all the same habits as every other person in America, in Canada. You yes. know, And so it's so important that we really understand that simply because we put this church thing out here, people are not going to flock to it. We have to tell them the value of it. We have to tell them why it's important to them, make it relevant to them. It really is important that we simply do just good marketing and PR Mm -hmm. because nobody will know about what we have. We don't want to call it a product necessarily, but when you think of it in terms of the consumer, he or she looks at it as a product. What is going to make me stop listening looking, yeah. reading at what I'm doing now and consume the content that you're putting forth. Mm-hmm. So if we don't do good marketing and PR, we'll never get them even attracted yeah. to what we're doing, Pedro. I think that some people have this negative image of marketers or public relations. We're slick. Well, yeah, because you're like <laughs> getting me to buy stuff that I don't really want. Right. But we need to get on board, don't we? Well, it really is just simply understanding the mindset of the person you're trying to reach. Uh-huh. Understanding who you're going for. So many people say in the new evangelization when we work with them about, okay, who, who would you like your target audience to be? Everybody. That's great. Yeah. But if you're targeting everybody, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to get almost nobody. Yeah. So you really have to understand the mind of the consumer and what they are really looking for. Um, and how you can fulfill you know, that, that need that they have, how you mm-hmm. can fill that niche that they're looking for. Yeah. So for the average, I know that you, some of your clients, I mean, you know, a large publisher, that's different, uh, a big church organization, but maybe a small pro-life group mm-hmm. that needs to have a specific message get put out there. What kind of advice would you give them in terms of how they deal with their, their public? Well, that's a great question. I mean, the very first thing is to identify your target audience. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to reach? What do you know about them? Find out everything that you possibly can about that audience. And then the second step is really to understand what is going to, you know, what are their needs? What is going to fill what they're looking for? And then you you tailor your message towards that. And, you know, you need to also find out who you are as well. You've got to Mm -hmm. understand that everything has a brand. Pedro, you have a brand. I have a brand. The church has a brand. Not because we've necessarily created it, but it's been created in the minds of the people who look at you, who know Pedro, who know Sherry, and the minds of the people who, you know, hear about the church. So, um, and even in the minds of the people who are in the church, a brand really exists because it's created in the hearts and the minds of people. So you want to be able to create that impression, not in a manipulative way, Uh but in a way that helps to get your message across. So it's so important that you do it on this end versus letting somebody else create it for you. That's right. And we talk about writing our own story. Um, I'm intrigued by that because I always think about brand, but do I need to hire you to help me? 
figure out what my brand is. No, seriously, because I'm thinking, again, a little pro-life group, they're not going to hire a PR agency. Right. Like, how do, how do I use that to my advantage as, as, as a parish church? Like, well, you brand. use it, yeah, brand. You use it as your advantage to just understanding the concept and understanding okay. that you are creating with what you do, with the person that you have, who's the the first person that someone comes in contact with, with the demeanor of the pastor after and before mass, with the welcoming that's mm-hmm. there, with all the things okay. that is with the parish, for example, that is creating a brand in the minds of the people who come in contact right. with the parish. So just understanding that concept, I think, is a great place to start. Okay. And you can really leverage that to just make sure that you know, you're know you creating at least something positive. Uh-huh. So as new evangelizers, there's nothing wrong with thinking of ourselves as marketers. Well, I think we have to because, you know, we've got the best product, quote-unquote, yes. in the world. We have Jesus Christ. We have the teachings of the church. Who doesn't want others to know about that? You've got to get out there and tell them about it, but you have to be smart about it. You've got to have strategy, understand what you're doing, and, you know, I mean, Christ deserves it. He, he wants those souls, and he's inviting each one of us to do that. Amen. Wow. You're making me all emotional now. <laughs> Sherry Brownrigg, she is the senior partner and founder at the Kennedy Brownrigg Group based in Omaha, Nebraska. Any Omaha of our lis- and Atlanta. Yeah. And, oh, there you go. But we, I know we have a lot of listeners in Omaha. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have listeners in Atlanta. I'm going to have to find out. But We'll have to change that, Pedro. We, I can be your marketer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sherry. So good to see you. You too. And thanks for your advice today. God bless you. One of the keynote speakers at the Catholic Media Conference is uh, the sister that Patrick McPartland mentioned, Sister Rosemary Nyerumbe, who for the last 30 years has been working in Uganda, in northern Uganda. Sister Rosemary uh, belongs to the Congregation of the Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a congregation that is based in Juba, South Sudan. Sister Rosemary is armed with only a sewing machine. Um, she has openly defied Joseph Kony. Some of you may have heard about Joseph Kony and the rebel soldiers of the Lord's Resistance Army in uh, Uganda. How does Sister do this? Well, since 2002, Sister Rosemary has enrolled more than 2,000 girls who had been previously abducted by the Lord's Resistance Army or abandoned by their families. Uh, Sister Rosemary runs the St. Monica uh, campus in Gulu, Uganda, and if anybody ever goes there, uh, you will instantly recognize that there are few other places on earth where a community of women can learn to become self-reliant and change and become change agents for peace and prosperity. Sister Rosemary has taught these brave girls to make their own clothes, grow their own food, learn a valuable trade, and show mercy to others who are less fortunate. Um, there is a film based on the work of Sister Rosemary, and that film is called Sewing Hope. We had a chance to not only to listen to Sister Rosemary speak at the conference, but also to watch the film. You can get more information at Sewing Hope. Sewing, that's like as in to sewing close, S-E-W-I-N-G, sewinghope.com. We had a chance also to speak briefly with Sister Rosemary. You know, I've always been focused on example of work. From the time my mother told me that work would not kill me when I was avoiding work. So I decided that I would make sure I use 
every knowledge I have, put it into work, and not only keep it for myself, but also teach other people. That's why I decided to remain a permanent learner. Anyone I meet, I learn what that person is doing, and I transfer that knowledge to other people. So I think in that way I can help many people by doing small things, especially the practical skills. You know, one way of really helping me is first to get involved. And I always tell people, if you know, you think, I will be asking you for resources like financial support, I wouldn't tell you that I need that money now. I need you first to come and see exactly where you want that money to go. Because you are coming to partner with me. You are not coming to donate money to me. You are going already to find what I'm doing and you will say yes. Here we can send resources. Here I can get involved and raise money to send to sister to advance her work. I don't want the idea of people waiting for money. I don't wait for money. I keep on walking. Money finds me moving. And that's what I'm teaching my girls, that we must continue working. We must continue moving on. If there's any need of money, it will find us moving. I was given the name Rosemary, and when I read about St. Rosalima, I like her. And uh, I know that there's a friend of mine who told me, I think you need to change that uh, patron saint because she used not to like being beautiful. She didn't like just always making her face ugly. She didn't, I said, I like her already for that, but I'm going to keep her all the same. That was a brief conversation we had with Sister Rosemary Nyurumbe, a sister of the Sacred Heart of Jesus from Uganda. As I said, you can get more information about her film at sewinghope.com. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour from Buffalo from the Catholic Media Conference. I'm Deacon Pedro. As Tim mentioned earlier when I spoke to him, one of the main awards that is given at, at the Catholic Media Convention, even though it's a separate event, are the Gabriel Awards. And I am now here with Susan Wallace, who is the chair of the Gabriel Awards. Susan, so good to see you again. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's great to see you. Tell us, what are the Gabriel Awards? The Gabriel Awards are an opportunity for us to honor works of art. Um, we have entries that are from religious outlets, but also secular outlets. But they're all works of truth and beauty. And we want to encourage and affirm those works so that people continue to do more. Right. Now, tell me a little bit about the history, because this year is the 50th. It is. That's amazing. It's the 50th anniversary. Isn't it amazing? It is. I yes. uh, Yeah. And um, actually, Father Peyton, the founder of, of the ministry I work for, Family Theater Productions, yeah. was, a, was a Catholic Academy member himself. Yes. And so we honor an award in his memory. But it's, but it's all about, it's been around since 1965, because we know media shapes culture. Father Peyton knew that. That's why he went to Hollywood. So we want to affirm the works of, of everyone that's shaping culture, that are telling true, honest stories, but stories of hope and redemption and, and truth and beauty. Right. So you're not just awarding Catholic programming. No, we have we have um, all kinds of awards. We had CBS here tonight. Yes. We had um, 
um, WRAL. We had we had so many WBZ in Boston, yeah. CBC in Canada, CBC in Canada. So we've had a lot of that, not just and we also had a Lutheran and we had yes. Methodists here tonight. So mm-hmm. it's you know we all what do we have in common? Well, we all want to have unity in our families. We all want to live stories of triumph of the spirit, and we want to have human dignity for for all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we want to affirm those stories. Do you know, maybe this is not a fair question, but do you know why they're named after the Archangel Gabriel? Well, the Archangel Gabriel, talk about the best <laughs> communicator, okay. came to Mary. Yes. And, and, and didn't Mary say yes? She trusted in Gabriel and said yes to the Lord's call to her. Right. And so all of us have are answering a call to go forth and, and help others say yes to the Lord and open their heart, let the Holy Spirit in, and, and answer the call to say yes and, and to do and to follow God's will for them. So that's our call. We hope by telling these beautiful stories that people will be uplifted, inspired, draw closer to the Lord and, and His path for them in life. Can you give us maybe an, uh, a couple examples, again, this might not be a fair question, of some of the winners tonight, like the ones that maybe stand out for you this year? Oh, my gosh. We have a, a story of, of um, one man who, a Polish man escaping the Holocaust, mm. a child, not a man, I'm sorry. Yes. The man was with us tonight, which is even more powerful. Um, but it's, it's a, he was a young boy, and he escaped, and he just ran and ran and ran, and it's a documentary on his life. And how a, a 15-year-old boy that was working in the field a Catholic boy, as it would be, mm-hmm. um, went to his family and said, there's this child out here trying to escape. Can we take him in? And they took him in. And that man is here today. Amazing. And if that doesn't bring you to tears, yeah. just to have that story told about the goodness of people who put their life at risk, yeah. but how could they say no? If you're, if you're answering that Archangel Gabriel, how would they have ever said no to a child escaping the Holocaust? Yeah. They said yes. They put their own fear and their own children's safety mm-hmm. aside for this stranger they never knew. It wasn't like it was even a neighbor. They didn't know this man. Right. They didn't know this child. Th- these are the amazing stories that need to be told. Mm-hmm. Now, I, when, whenever we watch the Academy Awards, the Oscars, everybody thanks the Academy. Now, there's also a Catholic Academy. Tell me about that. Well, it is. There's, uh, there's always confusion over our name. <laughs> we Academy. actually talked yes. about it today. It's the Catholic Academy for Communication Professionals. And it's all of us, um, some are diocesan directors of communication around the country, and then there's people like myself that are um, communication directors at various ministries and Catholic organizations. Okay. So So we come together to support each other in the work we do, and we wanted to honor and uplift and tell good stories. So in 1965, the Gabriel Awards were founded for that purpose. Right. So So then the Academy members are the ones that select the winner. So it does operate the same way as the Academy, the Film Academy. It does, but it's also, I I am a a jury chair, but I can gather a group of people that may not be, they may be people in the industry, so they could be in the secular market too. I reached out to a, um, a secular radio producer recently. You know, okay. to assist with the judging. Yeah. So we have judges from all over as well. Why is it important to recognize people who are doing this kind of work? Media shapes culture. Media is very powerful. And it's especially today. 
and so we need to honor these good works that are being done so they get further funding and so that the producers and the directors are encouraged to do more works of truth and beauty. Amen. Amen. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Uh, thank I, you I, for I, what you do. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yes. Getting getting my, my, my full share of you in the last couple months. <laughs> I know. <laughs> thank you very much. Susan Wallace, she's the chair of the Gabriel Awards. Of course, when we think about Catholic press, we're thinking about news media, newspapers, and that while it's not the only media that is uh, gathered here or being celebrated here, is a great part of Catholic communications. And I'm sitting here now with Penny Wiegert. She is the communications director for the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, but she's also the editor of the Observer, which is the Catholic newspaper, uh, the diocesan Catholic newspaper, and she's also a good friend. Penny, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. So, so two things I want to talk to you about. Uh, first, main, mainly, mainly, I guess, is being a diocesan communications director. What does that job entail, and why is that important? I think the better question would be to what doesn't it entail? <laughs> um, basically, when you're a communication director in, in the Catholic Church, um, primarily you're in charge of whatever needs to be done in that chancery. And, of course, we all know today that that's radio, it's television, it's print. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's many, Social many platforms. Media, yeah, yeah. And so you make sure that the gospel through your bishop and the teaching and the evangelization of the church gets done and gets done well. Okay, so how much of it involves, I mean, being kind of like a spokesperson for the diocese or for the bishop? Well, that's also a great part of it. Yeah. And, and also media relations. Right. Um, so I'm I'm the liaison, is, is one way you could put it, uh, between the message of the particular diocese and the message of my bishop um, for whatever might come up. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's crisis uh, yeah. situations. And sometimes it's very good news uh, for when you get um, perhaps a new bishop, but there's a, a transition uh, transition of an ordinary uh, ordination. Uh, or just recently we had the encyclical from our Holy right. Father come yes. out. And so there are many times, you know, uh, we're seen as a resource, a Catholic resource, in our communities, so the media will call up and say, well, what does this mean? What does this mean to the Catholic person in mm-hmm. the pew? And it's our job to explain that in language and terms that people can understand. So we try to make the church um, you know, understandable for those outside the household of the faith. Right. Now, of course, you're also a journalist, and as I said earlier, you're, a, you're the editor of the, the diocesan newspaper, The Observer. You didn't start off as editor. I did not. Tell me how you started. Well, um, I was a young girl. (laughs) Once upon a time, I started in the secular uh, secular Secular. press. And um, I started out part-time and uh, became associate editor and then became editor. And I was mentored. My my boss, Dr. Owen Phelps, is very well known uh, in Catholic communication circles and uh, was a excellent mentor to me and so um, you know just kind of brought up through the ranks and a lot of on-the-job training but also training through the USCCB and okay. uh, great uh, it's it's been a great life and um, you know 
being a journalist is one thing, but then being a Catholic journalist is something else. Okay, let me ask you about that because w- that's exactly where I was going. Is there a difference between between being a Catholic journalist or a journalist for a Catholic publication? Well, there's no difference in being a journalist because uh-huh. you still have that professional level and that ethical level. But when you're a Catholic journalist, your subject matter is blessed. I okay. mean, you, you have you have an obligation, just like St. Francis of Assisi, the Apostles, everyone, yes. and you say, what what is my message? My message is the gospel itself, Amen. to bring Christ to the world. And in partnership right. with the bishops and the and the, the Pope himself, mm-hmm. um, and, and to make that uh, understandable and palatable to everyone. Mm-hmm. So would you say that there is such a thing as Catholic news? Oh, of course. It's, what it, is and that? And it's all good news. I mean, well, yeah. Catholic news, it's, you know, you want to know um, what's going on in your faith, you know, um, what's happening in the church itself. But you know what's important? is the stories of our own Catholic people. The good they do and how they work together with their fellow Catholics to save their souls and to make this world a better place. That is Catholic good news. So so you could take any story as long as you look at it through that lens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's so many... There, there's the work of the missions that the average person doesn't know about. Uh-huh. Um... There is, uh, you know, even, even things within the church itself. You know, how what does the bishop do? You know, wh- what is his role? Right. And and we have to repeat that because, you know, there's new people, you know, living and dying in the church every day. So it's a story that has to continually be told and proclaimed. And we try to do that, you know, in the highest level of mm. professionalism. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of not just Catholic newspapers, but newspapers in general are having a hard time because of the internet, I guess. So would you say that there is still a need for that, that type of Catholic publication? And, and what, we, what should we do to make sure that we still have it? Well, right now, we, I feel like we, there's no Catholic left behind. So what does that mean? Uh-huh. That means that um, we have to provide for our audiences things that are comfortable for them. So there, we still have a constituency that wants print. We have those that, you know, if it's not on my phone, I'm not going to read it. And yes. then, but we have to have things like radio and television. Yes. We have to be where the people are yes. in whatever medium. And so that's that's a challenge right now. So all I would say is that if you're a person listening to this, support your Catholic newspaper. Pick it up. Or, you know what, if you don't want it in print, check it out online. online. But be engaged because the news that we try to gather and uh, process for people really is important in in Catholic identity and their ongoing faith formation. Because if you're not a good uh, consumer of Catholic media, um, it hinders you in being a good Catholic and and a knowledgeable Catholic and passing it on to your children. Uh Uh-huh. I guess I I can say that that's what we try to do with this program. Because I was going to say, radio being the most important one of them all, right? <laughs> well, you can say that today. But I, and, and I work in all of them. I work in television, yes. radio. My, I help my bishop with, with all of those. Um, I put him on television every, every day, Monday through Friday. He has a message at, at 6.58 every morning. Wow. And um, we write those messages and we, we produce all of that. 
Um, so, I, 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 even though print is my love, mm-hmm. um, you you have to be available to people in whatever is is out there, whether yes. it's Instagram or Facebook yes. or Twitter or Pinterest or just name something. You know, again, you have to be where the people yes. are and in the way that they want to receive that information. Otherwise, your message gets lost. Yeah, I, I, that's very good because that's exactly what the church needs to be where the people are. Yes, good. Thank you. Good answer. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Nice to see you, Penny. It's nice to be here, and thank you so much. And God bless all your listeners. And and do keep listening. um, Yes. Because this is a good good outreach, and um, if you love your faith, you certainly have to love listening and, 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 you know, soaking up all the information you can. And God bless you for providing. Thank you. Good plug-in for Catholic programming. Penny Wiegert. She's the communications director for the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and also the editor of the Diocesan paper, The Observer. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here now with Monsignor Paul Tai. He's a secretary for the Pontifical Council for Social Communication, so he is the, technically, I guess, the representative of the of the Holy Father of the Vatican here in a way I don't know if it's that putting a lot of pressure on you um, it's great that you can be here Monsignor Tai tell us a little bit about the work of the Pontifical Council for Social Communications yeah the Pontifical Council for Social Communications is probably one of the less visible realities around the Vatican everybody might be in the Catholic world would be aware there's a Catholic radio station Vatican Radio yeah. that there's a Vatican um, newspaper the Osservatore Romano there's a press office we yeah. have a TV service and they're the kind of the more visible and glad properly so the council's role is slightly different it's more to promote and to advocate for the importance of communications at the Vatican okay. but also globally Right. So since Vatican II, there's been an increasing awareness of how important it is for the church to be engaged fully in communications, right. bringing the faith to people in and through media, in and through all forms of communication. Okay. So the council has that more advocacy role, thinking about communications and ensuring that the church globally builds up the structures that are necessary to have a good communications policy. Right. More recently, in the last few years, we've also been focusing particularly on one thing we we're aware the church globally has phenomenal resources and phenomenal investments in the area of communication so we have catholic radios we have catholic newspapers we have a developing presence in the digital world there are some parts of the world have catholic tv stations so that there's a, it's a bit uneven it's a bit depends on from country to country but one of the things everybody has to confront is the digital. Uh-huh. And the change into the digital has become the big challenge for everybody, not just for church media, but for secular media in general. So one of the things we've tried to say over the last seven or eight years, one of the things that we can do is try and gather scholars who understand what's happening, the changes that are happening, particularly at the cultural level, mm-hmm. and help church communicators generally to think about, to reflect about what an effective church presence in digital media will be like. Mm-hmm. So that we've done through various conferences, that we've done by helping the popes over the last couple of years to prepare messages that reflect on digital culture, 
that we did a little bit by encouraging Pope Benedict to open a Twitter account, which encouraged yes. loads of other people then yes, to think yes. about how they would be present in social media. And more recently, that's led to us being very involved in a process at the Vatican, which has been saying, how do we need to restructure our own media operations in order to have a more effective presence? Right. So a lot of our, we're a resource for communicators. We're an international group at the Vatican. We're, as I say, below the radar very often. But we're coming around to meetings like this one here in Buffalo, where the Catholic communicators are gathering. We're coming to listen, to learn see what's working, see what the difficulties are, and then putting people in contact with others in different parts of the world who are doing similar things. Right. So we, we like to think using the digital thing that we're kind of the hub. There's all okay. sorts of activities around the church. We have a chance of having a spoke or an interest in all of those activities, and we can learn and we can put people in connection with each other. Right. So now you've been at the Pontifical Council, you told me, for seven years. Yeah. You're on your second pope yeah. since you've been there. Every year there's a message yeah. for the, and I always get this wrong, it's the, the, day f- the, the World Day for Social Communications. Or world the, Communications Day, <laughs> I think is the short time. Don't worry, there's, it depends on which world, language you're working, but I think we tend to say World Communications Day. World Communications Day, Feast of St. Francis de Sales. Yeah. Um, that is a, a message from the Holy Father. Yeah. So, so how, how does your council work with the Holy Father in terms of getting, getting his... It's not his message, but it's, I mean, it's a message. No, it's absolutely his message. What we would always want to do is, first and foremost, we suggest to the Holy Father a number of themes, three or four themes, three normally, that we think would be relevant to the world. He chooses one of those. And then we begin to get the resources together that might be useful for him in Uh trying to shape a message. Right. So this year's message, because of the coincidence of the Synod, Synod looked at the family. Before that, a lot of the work had been trying to, had been very much allowing the Pope and encouraging the Pope to give a message to people saying, look, social media is real. Mm -hmm. The internet is real. It's not a toy. It's not something for children. It's not going to disappear. And then particularly the Popes, both Pope Benedict and Pope Francis would have said, the real thing about social media is not so much that it's new technology. It is new technology, but it's the culture changes. Yeah. So young people today are learning in a very different way. They're expressing themselves differently. They're getting information in a very different way. They're forming their opinions in a different way. They may not watch the main evening news bulletin like our generation did. They may not read newspapers, but they are informed and they're getting their information in different ways. Right. They're also changing the way in which they maintain and form friendships. Yeah, because geography is no longer the problem it once was Mm -hmm. also how they form community and these are core things for the church how do people form relationships how do people form community so a lot of the Pope's messages over the last while have been encouraging the church to think about and reflect about what's happening with social media so that the church won't be absent from the lives of people who are heavily invested in that area Uh so one question we have Archbishop Chelly, my boss, is forever saying, like people arrive into to us and say, how are we going to use the new technologies in order to do the new evangelization? Yeah. And we would say, wrong question. The real question is, recognize there's a new world coming into existence, there's a new way of relationship, a new way of forming community. And we ask, how are we going to be present in that world in order to effectively witness to and proclaim the gospel. Right. So it's not just about using technologies. It's about entering into a new culture, engaging with people. What are the dominant concerns of people? How do we attain credibility there? And Pope Francis gave a wonderful thing. He said, 
what he said, look, when I think about the church involved in social media, three things. I want you to be there listening. Yeah. I want you to be there in conversation, and I want you to be there encouraging people. So many people have difficulties in the world. I want the church to be present in social media as building up, supporting, and encouraging people. Yeah. That means challenging a lot of the culture of social media, uh-huh. which could be a bit more negative. Um, but it's trying to say, no, let's make this a truly good human environment where people can talk about important things and where we can also ultimately, at the appropriate moment, talk about the love of Jesus Christ for people, yeah. which for us is the great gift we have to bring, is our own experience of being loved by Christ is something that should give us the courage and the support and the desire to share that with other yeah. people. Now, you mentioned earlier that, that there, you're, you could, we could say that you're, the council is a resource. It makes sense that that's a resource for, for, for Catholic publishers or, or Catholic communicators, TV stations, radio, uh, newspapers. Uh, what kind of relationship or, or advice maybe you'd have for the regular Catholic who's not a communicator... But clearly, I mean, we're communicating day by day. We're all using social media. Is there a place uh, or advice that you can give for the regular Catholic? I think, I think for the regular Catholic who's involved in social media, the first thing I would say is before anything about belief and expressing belief or sharing our faith, the first thing is to be a good citizen of the Internet, mm. to be somebody who's in there who doesn't get contaminated by some of the negativity, yeah. by some of the attacks, by some of the... You know, the, the violent language. Stay above that. Otherwise, yes. we're never going to be credible. Yes. So always watch, is so, my use of social media helping me as a person to be positive, to contribute, or is it making me a slightly more nasty, bitter, and cranky <laughs> right. person? And I think that's a good place to start. Yes. The second part, then, I would say is, as you form deeper friendships and relationships online, maybe with people you know in the concrete world as well, but maybe people you've never actually met face-to-face. But as you begin to develop a friendship and a relationship with them, there shouldn't be a shyness about sharing your own belief and your own faith. I mean, the Internet is often driven by enthusiasms. People want to talk about their hobbies, their supports, their passions, their, you know, the things that really excite them. I think our faith is something that we have that is a great anchor and root and strength for us in our lives. Therefore, if we see somebody else who we've known is struggling or has a difficulty, we can judge there may be an appropriate moment to say to them, look, I'm going to pray for you, or I've always found it helpful in my life to know that I'm loved by God uncritically. And we find it a natural and spontaneous way of expressing our faith as a gift to others, not as a canon uh, colonization or not as an empire building or not to build right. up, but simply the same way as we want to share good advice on TripAdvisor, we share good advice about restaurants or something like that we want to share good advice about life really important advice mm-hmm. about where we can find strength and hope and joy and we should do that spontaneously with enthusiasm without it being in your face or over the top or yes. as Pope Benedict said it's not about bombarding people with the gospel but it's about appropriately offering them a word of hope and support mm-hmm. and encouragement. And again, that will only be credible if we're actually good citizens. That was a conversation I had with Monsignor Paul Tai. He's the Secretary of the Pontifical Council for Social Communications in Vatican City.
Okay, I'm back now with Danny Torquia. Danny, it's the end of the conference. How are you feeling? Well, Deacon Pedro, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable three, four day experience. Just so many amazing moments and, and wonderful people from really all over the globe. What would you like our listeners to, to take from this hour, this Salt and Light hour? You know, all your listeners should really know that the church is rocking. The church has a lot of awesome wind in its sails, a lot of light. And, and there's just so many amazing programs, so many amazing people from all walks of life that are co- uh, co- coming every day to the light and to the church and, and for ministry and sharing with, with people, everyday people, all people. So if anyone's interested, they should do what we're all trying to do is get involved, have a voice, uh, look for programs that have life, that have uh, you know momentum and, and positive energy, and just add their voice to what's brewing in this amazing uh, you know concoction, amazing beautiful uh, thing that we call church. Amen. I like that. Add your voice, and can I say, and listen to radio, Catholic radio. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Plug in the Catholic it. radio. Add your voice. Find find the life and give life. That's very good advice and very apropos with the readings of, of, of this weekend. Add your life. Thank you, Danny Torquia. My pleasure. You can read his Media Ministry Minutes blog and columns and uh, at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And also, of course, listen to him on our program every, once, every, every, every month. Thank you, Dan Torquia. You can also, uh, Danny's also the managing director at Torquia Communications, and you can follow him at Dan Torquia. And you can visit us at saltandlighttv.org. That's where we post all our programs. And don't forget to visit me on Facebook and Twitter. When you find me, be sure to send me a note. I guess that's a way to also do communications. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special Salt and Light Hour from Buffalo from the Catholic Media Conference.